Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, what's up? This is the first episode that I'm making of my uh, podcast about tennis called Tennis and Bagels. And uh, I guess the reason why I wanted to make one in the first place is because... Um, uh, oh gosh, my phone just rang and I, I lost train of thought. Anyway, it's like I just... I've tried writing blogs before. It just didn't go well. I, I'm not very good at um, just sitting down and writing things. I... For some reason, I just think it's a little bit boring. Like, I, I enjoy the topics. I enjoy gathering the information, but just writing it, it's it's not very interesting to me. So I just kind of decided, hey, I just... I uh, First of all, I started getting very much into podcasts lately. So I decided, why not? <laughs> I think it's a, fun, it's a fun idea. It's easy to do. I have the equipment. So it doesn't take much, really, just a microphone. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, it's about... Tennis, as I said, it's called Tennis and Bagels, and um, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's about tennis, I love tennis, I just watch it almost whenever I can, It's which pretty much means every day, because there's new tournament every week, and uh, it's called Tennis and Bagels because, one, it's tennis, and two, there is not enough puns that people make about tennis. Um, because if we, if you know anything about it, if you read um, the news or anything, everybody comes up with different puns for every single um, term that there is. And so bagels is when you have a set at six love. And I'm assuming lots of people are going to listen to it. And I'm not going to be as passionate about tennis, not going to know as much of the terms as I do. So, yeah, that's why. Um, so, yeah, bagels are the zero which we call love in tennis yeah and um yeah so tennis and bagels i am just intending this because i'm not going to be a traveling journalist it's just going to be something that i'm just going to do as i watch uh once a week uh the podcast and whenever i can because tournaments can be difficult to watch if you're not traveling or in like being paid for it because well well i have to work and and at the daytime, and sometimes tournaments are also in the nighttime. Like right now, we're having the Australian Open, which is happening starting from the first session begins at about 7 p.m. here. And if you can finish as late as, like, I don't know, 9 a.m., depending on how long matches go. And I am not going to stay overnight because I do have to go to work the day after. So that's that's what I do. So um, tennis and bagels refers to the fact that I am here and I'm having breakfast as I do it. So it's chill. It's not supposed to be 
some like your main news source is just a guy talking about what he likes about tennis and stuff and i forgot to time myself rookie mistake number one i'd never done this before so bear with me it's probably gonna be added regardless but anyway um time 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 thank god we have phones all the time with us at every moment in our every moment in our lives anywho mm. Anyway, so yeah, as I said, the Australian Open is, is going on, the first Grand Slam of the year, and to be honest, I think it's my favorite. I Every time I'm really excited about it, I just really like it. I don't know if it's just because I love Australia, or the colors are really nice <laughs> at the courts, and it's it's sunny, and I don't know, it's, there's just something about it I really like. I also really love the crowd, by the way, they are probably, for, for me, the most educated crowd like the 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 most polite <laughs> the they will cheer and they will have fun things that they will say on court but they will most often not be annoying and noisy while players are playing or taking pictures with flash on and that is very bothersome especially um in france and in the u.s at wimbledon it's kind of like that too but only when andy murray is playing so yeah, there you go. Mm. The one special thing about the Australian Open this year is because it's coming up right after the ATP Cup, which is its first edition, like a team event. And uh, it's a national, it's based in like national teams. So like players compete for their countries. And uh, it is also special because the Davis Cup just changed its format from being like a year long um set up like players used to play um not players but like teams used to play each other throughout the year and they would have um their matches spread out in one week so we have like a tie uh which would be going a week long and at the end of the year there would be the final which was be was going to be just um the two finalists obviously the two final teams and now this year the two formats for the atp cup and the davis cup are the same <laughs> So it's it's literally there's no difference like there's it just it's just the same thing it's it's and that's why people have been wondering what's wrong is it is it fine it's is it too much is it too much team competition and what's the meaning of it and to be really honest I don't necessarily care much about the meaning especially as a as just a, um, a person looking for entertainment in the in the, in the off time, and uh, I'm just I'm just a spectator. I'm just a viewer. I'm not a journalist. I'm not caring about like the ups and downs. If, even though I do, it's at the end of the day, I just kind of want to watch a tennis match. And I did get to see some. Even as I, but as I said, the ATP Cup also happens in Australia right now, which means that I don't know why did I say Australia. That was weird. But anyways, it happens there which means that it's overnight here. So I couldn't watch that many matches either. I watched probably like three and I watched a bunch of highlights, which is how I kind of feed myself my daily tennis um, and listening to our pod other podcasts too, which is cool. But anywho, um, the uh, ATP Cup, uh, I think the biggest problem with it is uh, timing. It's not even the format or how many points people get, which is the whole new um thing which i'm not gonna talk about because it's a little boring but yeah i feel like it happens 
it's, it happens literally right after the Davis Cup. The Davis Cup is the last official tournament of the year, um, and the, the ATP Cup is the first. So it, it just doesn't make any sense, like to me, to have them both team competitions happening. And the meaning makes a difference in the sense that we don't really know like which one is more important, more prestigious, even though we would say, oh, it's definitely the Davis Cup because it's the one that has been around for the longest. It's been there for like probably a hundred years now or something like that. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's been pretty long. And the ATP Cup is the first edition. So we, we have that and very, very big players played there. They were Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, like Nick Kyrgios, they were all there. And they got excited about it. The players got excited. The players got emotional. There was a bunch of um, crazy things that happened then. And I believe this has to have a toll on people on the Australian Open. And I feel like the biggest um, example of that is, well, Roger Federer didn't want to play there. For instance, he, he bailed out from the ATP Cup, which was backing up, but he didn't actually play because he wanted to be ready for the Australian Open. And... What's um Deminar, as I as I said, like the Australian, um he top twenty player, like very promising young young dude, like he's probably what twenty one right now. Um he's very exciting to to watch. He almost he pushed Nadal very far, like in the ATP Cup, like did the two three sets, and it was really fun to watch that match. And he's out. He's out of the Australian open with I think an abdominal injury or something like that. It's frustrating because it's his home Grand Slam, the first Grand Slam of the year. He should be there. And I feel like the ATP Cup took that away from him. N not because he was, not because of anything that anybody really did in the sense, like it wasn't really anyone's fault except for the calendars. Like he could probably have decided not to play, but it was also, the ATP Cup is in Australia, which gives him um, even more reason to want to be there and play and support it. And he got a lot of good energy from the fans, but all in all, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it just didn't make much sense. I feel like the ATP cup could have been set up so that he helps teams qualify for the Davis cup or have something in, in between that, like, I don't know, um, has a have a setup that makes that makes it so that the two team competitions are not are not um, just literally the same thing because it kind of takes away the um, like not the prestige per se but the, the importance of it like if you have two competitions that are the same like which one is more important it's like having a second World Cup or like two Summer Olympics that are done by two different like associations it, it just it's it's like which one should we care more about? And people are saying that the Davis Cup is the one they should be caring more about because it's the oldest and they have more more history to it, which I agree. So, but I feel like the ATP Cup was better organized, which is a little sad to see because the Davis Cup was such a big tournament. It is still so. Anyway, anyway, and so that those are my thoughts about the ATP Cup and. Now to the Australian Open, which is obviously the most important thing happening right now. And other people there are doing podcasts and like covering it. Uh, um, they are obviously journalists. They are people who are, have traveled to Australia and they're, they're there since the ATP Cup. They're covering every tournament. 
Um, and they're doing this on a daily basis, which I am not doing and I'm not going to do. So I'm just going to like do a little brief um, summary of what I think is interesting, or what I think matters in the in the cup. Oh, not in the cup, but in the Australian Open. Um, and, and yeah, so the first things that we come to mind about and that we're discuss a lot in podcasts, which the ones that I've uh, I keep uh, listening to the most are from journalists that I follow on Twitter and that I follow their work as well on uh, respective newspapers. Um, uh, the podcast being um, No Challenges Remaining by Ben Rothenberg and Kath Nguyen, I believe that's her name. Uh, Kat, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anywho, um, they're both, I think they both write for, no, uh, Ben writes for the New York Times and uh, uh, Mrs. Nguyen writes for the WTA, WTA, which is the uh, Women's Tennis Association, uh, the professional association, you know. And the other one is uh, called Just the Tennis Podcast. And it's by journalists from The Telegraph, I think. I don't remember all of their names, but it's a really cool podcast to watch as well. I mean, to listen. Um, so, yeah, the people have been talking a lot of, of what is obviously happening in Australia right now, which is the biggest thing is the bushfires, the um, all the tragedy that we've been seeing, the, the natural disaster. Um, people try to mobilize. A lot of countries are sending help. Um, Canada is being sending help is, is sending help and um it's it was worse before if it, it feels like people had like a lot of expectations about it like what is it gonna do like are we gonna have to play all matches indoors and the courts the indoor courts in australia although they have it like in, in, in melbourne park where they have the grand slam they don't have stands so they can't really have um spectators come and watch it's kind of ridiculous and i don't even think they would have all the infrastructure like um how to set up the cameras and so it would just be a total disaster honestly like nobody would watch it and it's not it wouldn't even be their fault but right now it seems to have calmed down a bit obviously there's um, warnings and it's still dangerous for people to like just be outside on some days governments uh, the government has issued warnings and it's 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 tough. Even though the tennis players are, the the athletes are there. People are there like a thousand times healthier than like a regular human being, and their bodies are extremely powerful and can take a lot of things. It's still very dangerous for them and can cut short their careers if something really terrible happens. We're ha I'm happy nothing is happening right now in that in that regard. So, the one thing that is that uh, we are still watching it and just yesterday which was wait hold up oh uh, yeah so not yesterday wednesday in the west but it was thursday in australia where they already had their sessions their their day and night sessions already complete and in the morning of a thursday morning which is not our thursday morning but their thursday morning the courts were very dirty because of dust rain there are a lot of storms happening in Australia and I I'm, I was briefly informed via Twitter, I think. And uh, yeah, the courts were very dirty and just gross, disgusting, full of... The, I think it was no orange dust that fell off from the sky and the storms are bringing it. So it means that this means that something is still there. Something there, There's some danger still. 
And just speaking of Australian bushfires, the player that has been most outspoken about it in a good way, and the big surprise of the year, honestly, for me already, obviously has been like three, four weeks in in 2020. But it's Nick Kyrgios, um, the bad boy Australian who has who is now on probation because of terrible behavior on on court, on the tennis, on the tour. He was just, man, that guy has so much talent. He's so good. He can beat, I think he beat every single one of the big three. I'm not sure if he played Andy Murray, but yeah, he beat Federer, he beat Djokovic, he beat Nadal, I think. So that, that means something. It's not like he can't do it. He's really good. He's super talented. But his head, his his lack of winning attitude and his just plain bad behavior, like coming down to like actually being offensive to other players on court. It's just what it was just frustrating to watch such a talent being wasted. But he's he's still like I believe twenty three or twenty four, so he's still got a lot of time and to to get to get on the right track. And it seems like he is doing like um at the um, No Challenges Remaining podcast, they keep saying um, probation is doing good for him, which is I think is hilarious, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? So he's not, he's not a super likable person. Everybody loves him because he's, he's been, he was the first one who actually talked about fundraising in the Australian Open for the, uh, for bushfire relief. And it's just, He's just being a leader about it. He's just being, he's just being great in uh, giving direction and being supportive and actually taking action. So lots of players have followed through the most unbelievable one, like the most incredible pledge that was done, although kind of unrealistic, was from Alex Verev, the German, um, who's been, who has not had the best of seasons um, in 2019. He finished off strong but hasn't really been convincing. He went 0 for 6 in, uh, I think, for six matches in uh, in the ATP Cup, so he didn't win anything until beginning of the Australian Open, um, which now kind of looks good, looks better than the other Grand Slam that he's played, but that's another subject. Um, anyway, back to Kyrgios. He's also doing very well. He's... He's just gone through to the third round with the with a, with a win over Gilles Simon, and who's a very tricky player, by the way. He can just play for hours and hours, and is more than happy to just push balls back on court until the players get just frustrated with him and just get a racket abuse warning. Um, so, but he got it in four, um, and I'm pretty sure he got a six-one set in the middle of all that. So that's very impressive. Like I'm, I'm very happy to see Kyrgios doing well, and he seems to to have just calmed down. And I don't really know um, what happened. Maybe this, maybe it is probation. Maybe probation is doing good to him. But yeah, and there's one thing that I, I find is probably good for Kyrgios is the friendships, which sounds very wholesome. It's kind of like, oh yeah, it's like why am I talking about this? But Deminar, it was a very, very. I think they look, they look like they having like some sort of bromance right now in that sense. Uh, 
<clears throat> they were very um, emotional during the Australian Open. They um, played doubles together. They were very supportive of each other in their matches. And now that Demenor is out, Nikirio signed with um, Demenor's, um, you know, signature emoji of a demon on the, on the camera. And it's like, I think it says, like, I miss you, bro, or something like that. It was, it was very sweet. And something that we don't actually... It's not that we don't expect from Kyrgios, but maybe... Maybe having people that are like understand him, that are close to him, because Demonor also has kind of like a bad boy attitude, but he channels it into being a very good player. Um, so I feel like people like that can help Kyrgios kind of like see that he can kind of be himself and be a great player at the same time. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be. Yeah, you really just don't have to be a jerk on court. Obviously, like a, he doesn't have to be a butthole to everybody that he meets. Um, just because he wants to be a bad boy and like uh, wants to go against the status quo or something, yeah, kind of type of thing that you want to say, yo, grow up, man. <laughs> but yeah, and totally unrelated, but following through, I made a list. <laughs> I'm checking it twice. Um, we're great, completely out of. Anyway, <laughs> terrible Santa Claus joke after Christmas is over for like a month or a month now. Mm. Well, so I'm in Canada and I'm Canadian and I was looking very much forward for the season for Canadians, but we did not have a great start, even though Shapovalov did super good and uh, super well. And the ATP Cup and Ojeel Yassim didn't do extremely well, but he's, he's younger as well, so... I'm I'm gonna blame that on his lack of experience that he just that they both already lost in the first round of the Australian Open, which is which is terrible. It's like it's it's why Chapovalov just made the final in the, in Paris last year, like a Masters one thousand event. He won his first title. Ojeliasim made like three finals last year. And they couldn't get past the first round. Ojeli Sim lost to... Wait, hold up. I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> I think it was Golbis. Just going to double check here. Yeah, so... Felix Ojeli Sim lost to Ernest Golbis. Um, an experienced player. Now pretty much a veteran at this point. And he lost He lost in, in, in four um, sets being... Seven five four six seven six six four. Um, Gopis is an experienced player, so I don't. I will give it to Ojeli Yassim that he he actually had a a tough opponent on the other side of the net. Um, Shapovalov, on the other hand, lost to Fuksovich. I don't. I can't pronounce his name, but ah man, he's just just he didn't really do much. He's he's not that important. I think he, he he did make it to the third round, I believe. So he's doing well. But Shapovalov could have done so much better. He pushed Djokovic to three sets and was a very close match. So the fact that he loses in the first round to a nobody essentially compared to Djokovic to Djokovic, it's 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 frustrating. We should be seeing better of him. But on the other hand, um Milos Raonic, uh, back from a lot of injury and a tough last season, is 
he's a seeded player. He's number 32 or 31. And I think it's 32 because 31 is Hurac. Another, like, fluke player all, all along. Uh, but yeah, Ronic is, is through to the third round. Which I will also check because I am have terrible memory. And I should have probably taken note of this before. But I'm pretty sure he's, in, he's through, the, through to, the, um, to the third round. Milos, Milos, Ronic. Yeah, he's facing number six, Stefanos Titipas, which should be a good match. And Titipas did not play the second round because he got a walkover against, um, um, goodness, Kyle Schreiber. Big player as well. And um, yeah. So yeah, and um, Bianca Andreescu is out with an injury, is a knee, knee injury. She's, she's still recovering from that. And it's, it's disappointing because... Um, Bianca Andreescu, it's not only a, a big Canadian player, but she's a big world player. She just won the U.S. Open last year. She beat Serena Williams in the final. And, man, she's so good. She has so, such a great attitude, like, on court. She won, She went, she lost, like, three matches last year, which is, it's pretty insane. It's It's a lot of winning. And it's a lot of good performance from from her, and it's it's sad to see her not competing. But hopefully she gets better and she comes back to play uh, at Indian Wells in Miami in February. And in all seriousness, as well, back to like now that we're talking about women's tennis, is I f- I have a feeling that now. The good players, the good women players, women players are actually making it to this, to the deeper sections of a Grand Slam. It's kind of too early to tell because it's not the second week where we start off in the quarterfinals and I think quarterfinals, semifinals, and final, obviously, um, which are obviously the the bigger the bigger matches of a Grand Slam. But it was, it definitely felt very common to see players losing before, like the fourth round like the, before the third round even like at the second round we would get like number ones and twos just losing and it was frustrating because it just didn't feel like there was any consistency it's kind of how did you even make it to that ranking like w- what is happening like I, I don't even see you doing anything except losing like when for example Karolina Pliskova got to number one she didn't even know she got to number one she lost a second round Wimbledon or something like that and she was number one the next week. It was like, see what? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just the type of thing that it seems to be changing now. Um, we have players like um, Naomi Osaka, Coco Gauff, um, and Bianca Andreescu, um, Ashley Barty as well, world number one right now, who are really fearless players. <laughs> and saying that sounds really cheesy, but that's the truth is that Serena Williams um, and Venus Williams and even Maria Sharapova, not so much Maria Sharapova, but like, yeah, especially Serena Williams, who she has essentially raised the bar and for women's tennis and almost tennis in general. So she is essentially the player that we cannot help but compare others to her. Like we have to, to actually see whether there is any chance of somebody being as great as, as she is. And the fact is, she she's still playing at age thirty eight, and 
people are still scared of facing her because she's still essentially the favorite for pretty much any tournament that she enters at that stage of her life even it's it's pretty it's pretty insane and it's pretty inspiring and but pretty insane so the fact that Osaka and uh, Andrescu and Goff 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 man I'm terrible with those anywho um, they can actually they actually seem to have the attitude to actually go and play and keep her heads together and the last player that I feel like had that was Victoria Azarenka and she was for a while I think 2016 2015 16-ish she for me was the only player that could challenge Williams so every time that Williams would play a match I wouldn't get excited unless she was uh, Victoria Azarenka who's now off with a bunch of personal problems and injuries I think um so yeah uh she was the only one that I was watching on Grand Slams and I was like, yeah, that's a match worth watching for me because everybody else just seems not good enough. And they were just going to be defeated. Like, I remember watching a Wimbledon final against uh, Radvanska and the fact that Radvanska took the second set was very impressive, but then she lost. 6-1 in the third, so it was just kind of like a walk in the park. That's that. It was lame. So now it's it's good to see people actually playing. And I heard a very good, a very interesting fact from the uh, previous weeks in the WTA Tour, which did not have a cup like the ATP. They were just having regular tournaments. Um, they have been hitting a lot of aces. And that, that is good because one of the greatest thing about Serena Williams' game is the fact that she can hold serve and uh, she has very very reliable serve she has a very powerful serve very strong and does not allow for players to like step into her game her like service service game very often and you can definitely see that in players now they're really upping their service service game and they're becoming better athletes they're becoming stronger and yeah, there is. There's a lot of things maybe to say in at some other point, like the fact that, um, well, women athletes have had a lot of trouble in the sense that mm, they couldn't just um, be strong. And Williams herself had a lot of trouble with uh, people just being very racist towards her and being very um, sexist towards her and towards her, you know, her strength, her body type, the fact that she's really. She's really big and intimidating, but that's that's just so ridiculous, and we lose so much talent because of those, um, you know, problems that we have in our society. And hopefully, I, I believe the WT has had a very good impact in that. But I'll talk about this in like on another on another podcast. But I I, I think we, we're heading off to the good direction as we as I see Osaka and Andrescu especially. Golf is young, so she's 15, so I can't really tell right now. It's, it's too literally too early to tell. But um, um, I feel like people are actually getting into being stronger people and having more support um, in, uh, you know, in the outside world as well. Like people like me, like viewers, like they're on the internet, like leaving good supportive comments and um, organizations such as the WTA and ATP 
Uh, I think DTP is supporting us, very supportive, but players like Andy Murray as well is very outspoken about women's rights and women's rights in uh, in tennis. So that's that's good, that's encouraging. And um, now that we're talking about Serena Williams, what are the expectations for her in the Australian Open? That is a little bit hard to tell, especially because I haven't watched a single match from her. I have no idea how she's playing. All I know is that she only she just won her first title in nearly three years, which is a long time. It's a long time for her to win something. And she hasn't been on the on the groove. She hasn't uh, she hasn't been moving towards winning her elusive twenty fourth Grand Slam um, to tie Margaret Court's record, which is probably what's haunting her a lot at this point. Which shouldn't, but regardless, um, is she going to win? I don't know. Maybe she still has a little bit of um, a mental block in the sense that she probably gets very nervous in, in Grand Slam finals. She made like, what, four? Three or four finals last year, uh, which is a lot. Um, but she couldn't take it. She couldn't win a single one. And that is just impressive because, and maybe unprecedented because she just, once she enters a tournament, we be, we, we almost assume that she's going to win. Um, but when she enters a final... There's almost certainty that she will take it. Like it's, it's. We don't go onto the court to watch how. How is like how is this match going to go? We essentially just going to work to because going to watch it, thinking, what's the scoreline going to be for Serena, and especially depending on the player that she's playing against. If it's Sharapova, I'll be like, is this match even going to go to three sets? But yeah. Um, very often it doesn't, which is really sad. But I don't know. I haven't watched Serena Williams play this year yet. Um, to be fair, I actually didn't even watch the match that she played in the final against uh, Bianca Andreescu in the U.S. Open. So I just I'm totally clueless about like what she's doing. But she has won all of her two matches so far in in straight sets in the Australian Open. So it means that she's at least, um, she at least believes in herself still, and she still has the ability to be very uh, intimidating, and she still has the winning ways uh, with her. You know, she still knows how to do it. The question is, does she know how to do it in a final against players who are very eager to win and who now believe they can win against Serena Williams, which is the most important thing at this point? And speaking of chances. Well, I'm not making any predictions because I don't. I'm not following extremely close. Like I can't, as I said, I can't really just sit down and watch tennis matches all day long, because either I am doing something else because I need to live, uh, or I'm sleeping because I also need to live by doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm not. Haven't been watching much uh, of the players. Um, I do follow the highlights and. And check the score lines and I see what's up, but that's about it. So we're obviously thinking the big three against everybody else. And now there's this everybody else has a new group called the young gen, the next gen, as they say at the ATP. 
huge marketing campaign to try to get people excited about it. I'm not sure it's working. Well, it hasn't really worked in the past like 10 years until like Zverev came about. But yeah, I don't think anybody else outside from this group, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic is going to win the Australian Open. I just don't. I think Djokovic is going to win it. It's not a prediction. It's just kind of like how I feel. And Djokovic is my favorite player, so I'm biased. And I am not a journalist, so I can't be totally biased towards it. I think Roger Federer has big chances, especially because, uh, as I read, if he makes it to the quarterfinals, he will have he will do so without facing a single player inside of the top forty. That's a lot easier than other players' ways. It's not that the players the players that he's facing are not experienced or they're not good, but they're just not enough against Roger Federer. They and the, if you look at the players that are like on his way, you have Jonathan Millman. We have, which is his next round. We have Sam Carreri. Um, they're just not, they just don't have the game. Jonathan Millman is a strong player. He's very feisty and um, he's good at the net, which can cause Federer's, Federer heat problems. But he needs to be really inspired. He really needs to be at the top of his game. And even still, it could, it could go, it could be all for nothing. Federer could just still come through. Um, which I think he will. Honestly, I don't think Millman is going to win this match. Federer is going to go through the quarterfinals. And Sam Querrey is a big server with a big forehand, and that's about it. Like, he has had his good days, but now he's just not having them anymore, and Federer just has way too much game for him. He's, he's very limited to his options, and I don't think that's going to happen if Querrey makes it to the next round, which I think he will. Um Djokovic is, had, has had a shaky start, has won the first match in four sets, and who knows, like Djokovic played also the ATP Cup, so and he his team won, Team Serbia won, so I think he might be tired from that. He pulled out of a tournament, and people said it's like, it's, it's I think it's the first time in a very long time at least that Djokovic comes into the Australian Open with matches played. He has chosen to go start the year with the Australian Open for the past, I don't know, maybe decade. And so that might, this probably will affect it in a long, in the, this probably will affect him on the on the long term, looking at, as the tournament goes on. Or not, <laughs> I'm t- just guessing. And um, Nadal, I don't think Nadal wins this. He won the U.S. Open, but those are, those are very different conditions. Um, he wasn't very convincing in the ATP Cup, even though maybe that's not his point to be convincing in the ATP Cup, especially because Spain just won the Davis Cup, so the performance probably matters way more. Um, but yeah, I just... He is doing his regular Nadal in the first and second round by defeating people, like bageling them and just... Was he a bagel? <laughs> and yeah, just giving them like a six love and uh, six ones and six twos. It's kind of like just racing through his matches. But that we will see when he gets in the later rounds. Like, I don't think he's going to beat other players. I don't think he's going to beat um, 
I think it could beat even Roger Federer in the, at the, this point in the Australian Open. Hmm. I think I read it on Twitter. Somebody said it. Like, it's been five years. Nadal doesn't beat uh, Djokovic or Federer um, outside of a clay court. Like, not on a clay court, which says a lot about it. And I don't think Nadal's going to do it. He won the US Open, but he had an interesting had an interesting way all the way there. He faced Medvedev in the final, went to five sets. But Medvedev was, was in his first Grand Slam final. So experience has a big plays a big part in that and now that we're talking about it i feel like my biggest my favorite guys for um as contenders in the next few years maybe this year even for um grand slam wins are medvedev and tisifas um tisifas uh, won the World Tour Finals, um, I don't even know, I, I think they called it ATP, uh, I think they called it NITO Finals, something like that, it's weird, and I think he just, I think he's great, <laughs> I like his style, um, I think kind of reminds me of like a Bjorn Borg and Gustavo Kirten, but I don't know, he, he does have a little bit of an attitude as well, he can get very angry. Um, and Medvedev has a weird style, but it's very effective. Um, I don't know how they're going to do. I, I just want to watch the matches against them. I feel like it's going to be, it could be very interesting. And yeah, I feel like this is essentially where we're at now. <laughs> and we need new players to win slams because Djokovic, Nadal and Federer has just, have just been way too dominant. And although it's cool that Djokovic wins slams because he's my favorite at the same time i'd be like oh maybe they're all over 30 now federer is 38 as well uh as serena williams so they'll be retiring at some point and if they retire i have no idea what's going to happen i have no idea who's going to be able to to win the tournaments the big tournaments who's going to be number one is there going to be someone as dominant as they are or not it's a it's a big mystery and not watching as many tennis matches really doesn't help me figuring it out. But I don't really care because I don't I don't I don't live for this. So it would just be interesting to see. It's entertainment after all for me. Um. So yeah, I, the only I feel like this Australian Open, the only great great thing that could happen in it is the Grand Slam record that Federer holds at twenty. He could either extend it, or Nadal could tie it, or Djokovic could get a little closer. That's all that it could happen. But the fact that Nadal can tie it would be really the biggest, the biggest thing. But as I said, I don't think Nadal is winning it. So um, the next chance that he's going to have to tie it would be in Roland Garros. And I believe the only chance he's going to have to tie it is at Roland Garros, even though he won the US Open last year. But I think that was a special case. And uh, yeah, that's it. Like next week, I'll come back and I'll talk a little bit more about the Australian Open. I didn't want this to go. I have 40 minutes here on my timer and I really didn't want this to go as long as it did. Um, I don't want to be talking as much about it. And definitely in a week, uh, there's many things that happen. There, there are many matches that happen. 
there's 128 player in the Australian Open draw in a Grand Slam draw. So what that means, well, it's too many matches. Like on the first day is like 64 matches. The next, the next day should be 64 matches. 64, 30, 32 matches, I believe. I know I can't, I can't math. I can't math. But all I know is that the second day of the Australian Open had 96 matches scheduled, and that's ridiculous. And I would not do that. And journalists were struggling let alone me, on my TV um, at midnight when I have to wake up at 7. That does not, that, that won't happen. That just won't happen. I'm not going to start watching a match and finish at 4 a.m. having to wake up th- three hours later. It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's all I have to say. Next week I'll, I will have a different approach. I will see. Um... Well, next week will be Thursday. I'll, I'll probably upload it on Thursday again because it will be like kind of in the middle of the day. So like there won't be matches going on. So there won't be any new information to come up after as I as I do it. But um, and I'll try to see. I think it will be like around semifinals stage. So, yeah, I'll kind of like do a little bit of a summary. There will be less matches going on. There will be just kind of like, yeah, so so what's up? Like who? Who's the favorite now? And uh, are the bushfires causing more problems? Is the the, the rain dust dust rain causing any more problems? So yeah, we'll see. And yeah, thanks for if you did listen all the way through here. Thanks, you're a trooper. I'm pretty sure this was really boring, but yeah, this is a thing that I've been meaning to do for a long time to start something that I could speak about tennis. And I tried doing a blog couple times as i said in the beginning but that didn't happen and the podcast is fun to do and yeah i think i think i can do um i think i can do a couple a couple more of the of these and uh see how it goes so yeah thanks for listening um have a good have a good weekend and bye 